and driving. Now, I'm not going to poll the audience, but cell phones and driving, really there's a lot of bad things you can do when you're driving. Drowsiness and driving, right? Drunk driving, of course, is a bad thing to do. But any sort of distraction, and I just found this picture. I don't think he's actually being harmed. I think that's kind of a prop picture. But it kind of shows you what can happen when you text and drive. And again, I'm not going to poll the audience. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Put your phone down. You know, get rid of it. Tell, tell the person you'll talk to them later. Here's number five that maybe only the walkers will understand. A bad combination is Michigan, the state of Michigan, and sports. <laughs> now, I guess I kind of have to give the Red Wings a pass. The hockey team is pretty good. They've been good for a while. But... The other three, in fact, the other one I would include in there is kind of the University of Michigan. Michigan and sports put together is not a great combination. In fact, my wife is a Lions fan, and they are 0 for 6 this year. I think it's 0 for 6. So we've been Piston fans and Tigers fans growing up. It's kind of a rough, rough combination, Michigan and sports. Here's number four, worst combination, and this one applies to my family very specifically. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. That's number three. Let's go to number four. This one's going to be a little bit awkward. It's church gatherings and a pandemic. That's kind of what a lot of churches are looking like right now. And so uh, we, we see that uh, across the nation. That's a bad combination. Unfortunately, God is going to turn that around, and we're thankful for that. Here's number three, the one I was going to get to. Is uh, anyone ever have a first date? Think back to your first date. And what's the food they always tell you to not have on first date? Salad. Why salad? I was thinking spaghetti. Spaghetti was the classic, don't have it on a first date. Well, I found one that might be even better. Buffalo wings. <laughs> Buffalo wings and first dates, probably not a great idea. Unless it's their choice. If they choose it, then you maybe have to go with it. But I just kind of found this guy. This guy's just embracing those Buffalo wings, isn't he? Right there on the shirt. Guessing he's not on a first date. That wouldn't go well. Here's number two, the one I was talking about that's specific to my family, which is a bad combination. It's seven kids and laundry. Seven kids and laundry. That's kind of what it looks like at the Walker's household almost every day. Even after laundry. Even after we do it, it somehow still looks like that. So that's a rough combination. Maybe have your own. Here's number one, bad combination. It's Pastor Todd singing and a hot microphone. Um... <laughs> I just found this picture. You guys like that? You guys remember that guy? Rick Roll. Remember that song from the 80s? Never going to give you up. That's kind of what I look like when I sing. I, I'm glad my microphone today especially wasn't hot because I am not a great singer. I'm always terrified, though, when that microphone goes hot someday and I'm going to be singing. You guys are all going to hear something very interesting come out of my mouth. So here's another bad combination that's going to lead us into our lesson today. Um, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel is a bad combination. We're going to learn out why that is here in a bit. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 to 16. Join me in the Word of God as we read the Word of God. Now it says, Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the first leans of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. 
Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told Abel his brother, and it came, to, it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood, brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me from this day, from the face of the ground, and from your face, and I will be hidden, and I will be a vagrant and wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. So the Lord said to them, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain, so that no one finding him may slay him. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. The birth of selfishness is our lesson today. The birth of selfishness. We're looking at another classic story from Genesis. I'm sure, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you heard about Cain and Abel somewhere along your journey. Cain and Abel's a classic story. But unfortunately, it's another tragic story. And it happens right at the beginning of creation, right after creation. But we all know by now how these stories end. And I want you to tuck that away in your mind because we talked about this last week. Even tragic stories are going to end with Jesus winning. So even though we're going to look at another tragic tale, there's a second part to that coming next week, as there always is. And this is not the end of the story. So keep that in your mind as we look at this today. Because that's crucial to remember in your journey. Because sometimes it looks bleak. Sometimes it looks bleak in your Christian journey. And you need to remember the final score of the game. That the Lord Jesus, God, is going to win and it's going to be a fantastic, glorified victory. The clouds will eventually pass. The sun will eventually shine in its full brilliance one day soon. The Savior, the Savior has come and the Savior will come again. But today we look at the sin of hatred. We look at the sin of murder and we look at the core of those sins, the birth of selfishness. We learn right away that Cain and Abel are the offspring of Adam and Eve, the first people God ever created, the first sinners upon the earth. Cain and Abel were the children of Adam and Eve, along with their brother Seth. And things went badly for Cain and Abel's parents. If you remember, they ate the forbidden fruit, and their sinful choices brought a curse upon mankind, including their own children. Because sin does not only affect our own lives, does it? Sin affects the lives of those close to us, especially our children. There's a very, very serious warning there for us today, especially if you're a parent. Sin is no joking matter. Sin will pass down to those closest to you in this life. And yes, it's inevitable. Sinners are going to sin. But free will exists to all people. We still have the choice to do what is right or what is evil. And Cain, as we're going to learn, had that choice to do what is right or to do what is evil. Now, we're going to break this lesson down into three acts, okay? We're going to look at kind of like a play. Three acts, we're going to look at them right in a row. Here is act number one. Act number one is Cain and Abel offer sacrifices to the Lord, okay? It starts off very good. 
They offer sacrifices to the Lord, but unfortunately, they are two very different sacrifices. That's act number one. Act number two is Cain's sacrifice is rejected by God, and Cain responds negatively to that. Act number three is God who sees all punishes. Act number one, okay? Act number one. Let's read the verses again. It says, Now it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. It was natural for the first people that were ever created to offer sacrifices to their God. And this story happens well before the church is instituted, well before any religious affiliation. Yet, even without the church, by our very design, God's people are drawn to give sacrifices to their Creator for His glory. It should be normal for us to want to love our Creator, right? It should be normal. He is our Creator. He is our God. We should desire to give Him love gifts, love sacrifices. And that's exactly what Cain and Abel did. They both offered a sacrifice to God Abel was a shepherd of sheep, and Cain tilled the ground for the sake of growing fruits and vegetables. Both their sacrifices to God would come from their specific work. But we must notice this very important distinction. It says, It came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. Do you see the distinction? Focus upon the words. What is the distinction? Cain brought something to God from his stock. And Abel brought God the best thing from his sheep flock. That's a big distinction. And it's going to be the foundation for our entire story. Cain brought to God what Cain wanted to bring to God. Plain and simple. And Abel brought to God exactly what he knew God would delight in. Do you see the distinction? That is a lesson all by itself. And it's so important, we're going to circle back to it at the end. Giving to God what we want to give to God versus what God asks for is oftentimes a very big difference. So not shockingly, God accepts Abel's sacrifice because quite simply, it was a real sacrifice. Abel gave to God what would hurt a little bit for him to lose. That's what a sacrifice is. It's not giving something that you don't care about. Like if we had a yard sale and you get rid of those junky sneakers in your closet that you don't care about that are collecting dust, that's not a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice when you give the shoes that you're wearing today away to someone in need. So God accepts Abel's sacrifice because it's a real sacrifice. It came from Abel's heart, a heart that desired to please his God. But God rejected Cain's sacrifice because it was not a true sacrifice. Cain's offering to God was common. He probably had an abundance of fruit. So to lose one offering of fruit from the ground was not going to make much of a difference to Cain's stock. It came from duty instead of from Cain's heart to please God. That's the difference. That's the distinction. And this leads into our first lesson of the day, okay? We have five lessons we're going to look at along the way. Lesson number one is this, or the question we're going to ask to get to the lesson is, how do we give and sacrifice to God? Not do we give. That's, that's a first question. That's a necessary question. But how do we give and sacrifice to God? Do we give him whatever we want at minimal cost to ourselves? 
without affecting our lives or our livelihood that much? Or do we give to God what he desires no matter what it costs us? Because our greatest reward in this life is to know that our God is happy with us. In fact, our series on Wednesday called Our Journey with Jesus, that entire journey, our entire lives are the sacrifice that God wants. Did you know that? God wants our entire lives. He says in Romans 12, 1 to 2, give me your life. Set your life apart for God. Give him as an honorable worship and sacrifice your entire life. That's what God wants. But this error from Cain was not the biggest blunder. Okay? Unfortunately, because we get to act number two and things get much, much worse. What did Cain expect God to do with his so-called sacrifice? His sacrifice came from duty and not from Cain's heart. He didn't really sacrifice anything. He just gave God some of his well-stocked crop. So the passage says that God had no regard for Cain's sacrifice. He rejected it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Now, that might sound harsh for us to hear, but we have to remember God is not our kindergarten teacher, okay? Or our doting parent who thinks that their child can do no wrong. He's our God. And he searches our hearts to know what is real and know what is authentic. He not only wants a sacrifice, he wants what is true and what comes from love. Cain's did not come from love. It came from duty. And God is holy, isn't he? He's holy. He's not like everyone else. He deserves higher and greater and better than everyone we give something to. God deserves better and greater and higher than any gift you give to someone on this earth. But this did not have to be the end of the story for Cain. He could have used his mistake as a teaching lesson. He could have learned by his brother's example of what it looks like to truly sacrifice to the Lord. He could have confessed his wrong he could have gotten back to the drawing board and he could have tried again. The option was there for Cain. And we're going to prove that right now. Cain's response to God is the first time we see anger pop up in humanity. Okay, This is the first time that somebody gets angry. It says Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Cain got angry because his sacrifice was rejected. But not only that, his brother's sacrifice was accepted. Think about that. Anyone have a brother or a sister? Raise your hand if you have a brother or a sister. Okay, most of us. Did you know that sibling rivalry is a real thing? Anyone agree with that? Sibling rivalry is a real thing. Now, I have two siblings. I have an older sister and a younger brother. My younger brother, Travis, is two years younger than I am. I'm right in the middle of my two siblings. And growing up, I jockeyed for my parents' favor with my siblings, specifically my brother. If Travis was fast, I wanted to be faster. If Travis could draw a lion, I wanted to draw a dragon. If Travis could make a table in woodshop class, I wanted to make a log cabin. If Travis married a good-looking girl, and he did, I wanted to marry the best-looking girl in the world, and I did. If Travis could have three children, I wanted to have seven children. Nana, 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 if you're watching, Travis. Just teasing. But you get the point, right? You get the point. Not only was Cain's offering rejected by the Lord, but his younger brother's offering was accepted by God. And all of this caused Cain to think only about Cain. 
So Cain got very angry because his sacrifice was rejected and his brother's was accepted. And because God sees all, he saw Cain's countenance felt. He saw Cain's body language change. He got angry. So God, as a loving God, as a loving parent, decided to step in and warn Cain at this time. So he asks Cain, why are you angry? Why are you angry? The anger didn't make any sense to God. God is the one that should be angry. God is the one that got the cheap sacrifice. But Cain is angry, and God doesn't understand that. Sin and selfishness never make any sense to God. Did you know that? Sin doesn't make sense to God. Think about that. Selfishness does not make any sense to our God because he's not that way. He's always righteous. He's always thinking about the needs of others. God is always thinking about love. And Cain was thinking about Cain. Cain was acting entirely selfishly at this point. So God laid it out in simple terms for Cain by saying this to him. Oh, there's the sibling rivalry picture I forgot to show you. There it is, just so you can illustrate that. But this is what said to Cain. He said, Cain, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? I mean, that's simple, right? Cain, if you do well, if you offer a righteous sacrifice to God, you will feel good because it feels great to live righteously, does it not? It feels great to walk in truth. It feels great to follow our Lord. It feels great to be obedient to our Creator. And he basically told Cain that. Cain, if you do well, you'll feel better. That's quite an easy situ situation and solution. And in other words, Cain, Cain, your anger is your own fault. It's your own fault. If you had given to the Lord a proper offering from the heart, it would have been accepted and you wouldn't feel the way you feel right now. Because it feels great to act righteously and it feels bad to be selfish. At least when you know better, doesn't it? See, as parents, for those of us who are parents, we like to use the sinful choices of our parents, excuse me, of our children, as teaching lessons. My parents did that for me. Janine and I do that for our children. And the other day, one of my children got uh, angry because she had to learn a hard lesson. She was being selfish with her toys, and so we took her toys away. And we told her that until she could learn how to act better with those toys and act like a kind, sharing person with those toys, we weren't going to give them back to her. And our child got angry with us. She got angry with us. So we had to sit her down and say to her, your anger is misdirected. You should be angry at yourself. Mommy and I are not the problem here. It is your own selfishness which led to this punishment. Therefore, your consequences are a result of your own sinful choosing. She got even angrier when we told her that. <laughs> And that's the spirit of what God is saying to Cain. God wants to help Cain by correcting Cain. Do you notice that? He's trying to help Cain. He loves Cain. He created Cain. Cain is his creation. Cain is his son. He wants Cain to walk correctly. So he's correcting him in order for that to happen. But God also decides to warn Cain at this moment. Cain stumbled and fell. That's not the greatest tragedy. That happens, unfortunately, in our walk with the Lord. Sometimes we stumble and fall. But now Cain was angry at how things played out. And therefore, God sees a greater danger ahead for Cain. It's like Cain was playing on the railroad tracks, and God saw a train barreling down upon him. And so he decided to warn Cain. Cain's anger revealed selfishness was being conceived. 
Selfishness was being conceived, maybe for the first time ever. Selfishness was being born in Cain. So God warns Cain, and he says to this, If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain, you're angry, and the reason you're angry is because you offered a bad sacrifice, but now you need to be careful because sin is now crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. God told Cain that his selfish offering was bad, but now his misdirected anger had actually left Cain vulnerable to an evil attack from the devil. Basically, there was blood in the water, and the shark had picked up the scent. This was a precarious time for Cain. He could either learn from this mistake and do better going forward, and he could master his sin, or he could listen to the sound of knocking on the door from sin, from selfishness, and he could open the door to it. He needed to master his sin before it mastered him. And this leads us to lesson number two. What is our response when we sin? When our sin is found out, what is our response to that? Do we seek to hide that from God and open the door to further sin? You guys have heard, heard that about lying, right? That lying is basically a slippery slope. It's a snowball effect. You tell one lie, you have to tell another lie to cover up that lie. You have to keep lying over and over and over. Do we do that with God once God finds out something we did that was wrong? Or unlike Cain, will we own up to it? Because scripture tells us to own up to that. Did you know that? In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you notice there's a condition to forgiveness and gaining restoration with God. What is that? If you confess your sins. If you own up to your sins, God will swiftly forgive you. But you must own up to them. You must not hide them or seek to act like they never happened. You must own up to them. And this was a turning point for Cain. He could have confessed his sin. He could have learned from his mistake. And he could have gotten right back on the path of righteousness. And that, thankfully, is exactly what the sacrifice in the gospel of Jesus Christ allows every one of us to do. Even today, if you're on a bad path, you can find restoration and forgiveness from God swiftly by confessing your sins to God. Jesus allows that. Jesus and his gospel and his cleansing blood allows you and I, if we are messed up today, to confess it and get right back on the path and in the journey. That's the whole point of the gospel. Or, like Cain did, we can open the door to further sin, further devastation, and death. Unfortunately, Cain did not heed God's warning. He heard sin knocking at the door over and over and over. You see, Satan's desire is never, never for a simple one-time sin in our lives. Did you know that? He knows that if we confess that sin, we can find forgiveness and restoration. Satan wants to own our souls. And the only way for that to happen is for us to invite sin into our lives and to kick the Lord out. And Cain, unfortunately, was about to do just that. 
Now, ironically, Cain's brother Abel actually held the key to what Cain needed in this season. He needed to learn how to properly sacrifice to the Lord with a proper heart. And Abel, his brother, knew how to do that. If Cain had chosen the right path, Abel, his brother, could have been the ticket to properly pleasing God. They actually could have teamed up for righteous living. That's kind of the point of the church, right? To team up. Not to be rivals, to team up for the point of living righteously before the Lord. But this story is sadly and tragically about the birth of selfishness. Cain could only think about Cain. The seed of selfishness had taken shape in Cain's heart and it was about to turn into a full crop of selfishness. God says, you must master your sin before it masters you. Now we come to Act 3, and this is where things go haywire. Cain finds his brother in the field, and he tells him. He tells him what God said. He tells him what had transpired with him and God. And this was the crossroads for Cain, or so it seemed. But I believe in all reality, Cain had already made up his mind. Cain was convinced that Cain was not the problem. It was Abel who was making Cain's life miserable. Do you notice that selfishness makes us stupid? Abel was the problem. Abel was your issue. Abel, your righteous younger brother who gave God a proper sacrifice from the heart, was the problem, Cain. Not you. Cain's convinced it's Abel and not Cain. Our third lesson and probing question today is this. Do we blame others for our lack of righteous living? Is it always something? Is it always someone else? Someone else's fault for our bad choices. Do we play the victim card in life instead of growing in our relationship to the Lord? Do we own up to our sinful choices or do we pass the buck to somebody else? Did you notice about this? The devil will always give you a justification for sin. He will always make sure that not only can you sin, but you can feel good about doing it. He will always give you a justification for sin and for selfishness. And we live in the day of social media, where people can easily find groups of people that they think the very same way that you do. People who will help us justify our lifestyle choices, who will reinforce the idea that we are victims in this life, and we're not accountable for our lack of righteous living. We're not accountable for our lack of commitment to the church. We're not accountable for the lack of meeting the needs of those around us, because we are the victims and therefore, we're not accountable for the evil in our lives. It's an all-too-common trap. And Satan laid it down perfectly for Cain to step right into. Cain finds his brother in a field, and he kills him. Before Cain could realize what was happening, selfishness had grown into a hideous monster inside of Cain's soul. And therefore, Abel, Cain's younger brother, lost his life. And Cain felt justified by that. That's so devilish. That's so devilish, not only to sin, but to feel justified in doing it. Abel was the problem in Cain's mind. And instead of owning up to his sin and mastering his sin, by God's strength, Cain opened the door for sin and he let it have a seat on the throne of his soul. And now his brother was dead. And Cain became the very first murderer on the earth. Selfishness led to pure evil, which led to anti-love behavior. 
And what follows this story is just as tragic as the consequences from our last story about Adam and Eve. God confronts Cain. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? Where is he? And Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? I can only imagine how devastating it was for God to have to do this back to back with the first four people he ever created. He had to confront Adam and Eve for their sin and their rebellion against God, and now he had to do it again with their firstborn son, Cain. Guys, can you imagine how hard it is for God to see all the evil and selfishness upon this world? Think about that. Think about how hard it is for a righteous and holy God to see this world that he created perfect live so selfishly, even people who named the name of Christ. That's got to be very, very difficult for God. And this proves what we said last week. Sin begets sin, does it not? Sinners will make more sinners. Sin infects 100% of the people, and it destroys everything it touches. Even Abel, who acted righteously before God, was affected by his parents' sinful choices because now his brother Cain became his murderer. Sin is devastating, guys. It's not worth it. It's devastating. So God confronted Cain, and he asked him where his brother was. And of course, God is not seeking information from Cain, is he? He's giving Cain the opportunity to own up to his sin. Cain, what happened? Cain, what did you do? And parents, again, know what this interaction is like. When our child has done something wrong, we give them the opportunity to own up to it. So we ask them a question like this. What did you do? Even though we generally already know what they did. Because we want to discover how deep the evil runs in our child. Will they own up to it? Or will they lie to conceal it? Tragically, Cain did not own up to his sin. He pleaded not guilty before the eyes of the all-seeing God. And he claimed he did not know where Abel was. I don't know. Even though Cain was the last person to see Abel alive. And he probably concealed the body somewhere that it wouldn't be noticed. And now God realized at this moment that Cain's conscience had become seared or hardened because along with being selfish and along with hating and along with murdering his brother Cain could also lie directly to the face of God and possibly Cain is going down the road of maybe even charging God with the crime by implying that he's not his brother's keeper but God is so if Abel's missing perhaps it's God's fault that Abel is missing do you see how dumb and evil selfishness makes us? Selfishness makes us stupid. It makes us stupid, evil people. He's now charging God with the crime. And this leads us to lesson number four. Do we honestly think we can hide our sin from God? Have you ever tried that? How does that work out? You ever tried to hide and sweep your sin under the rug, acting like God himself won't even know? I did this for years in my early 20s. I hid it from everybody and it seemed to work. So therefore, I tried to hide it from God. And I thought for a while it was working. When are we going to learn that God sees all and knows all and we can't hide anything from him? Our sin will find us out. Don't hide it. Confess that sin immediately. God sees all. There is no privacy with your creator. Did you know that? No privacy with God. Now, remember that old song about Santa Claus? Remember that song we sang growing up? He sees you when you're sleeping. 
He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Come on. Thank you, Tammy. So be good for goodness sake. Um, as I grew up, I started to realize how creepy that song was. That a chubby reindeer riding gift giving man who comes down my chimney on Christmas Eve in the middle of the night, thank you, in costume, knows exactly what I'm doing at all moments of the day. No thanks. Even though that's made up, God is our creator. He's our creator. He made us. God made us, and he made us to love him and to be loved by him. He also watches over us for our good. So we cannot easily make train wreck of our souls. Because guess what? If God did not watch over our souls, every one of us will make a train wreck of our souls and will end up in hell. Did you know that? Every single one of us, myself included. And that is precisely what he's doing for Cain here. He's seeking to love Cain to spiritual health. However, we have to remember this. God is going to allow his people free will to make their own choices. He's not going to move the hands and the arms of Cain here to make righteous decisions. God allows us to make our own choices. But whatever choices we do make, we have to live with the consequences of those choices. And let us make no mistake, we can never, ever, ever get away with sin. Ever. We'd have better luck trying to pick up a mountain and throw it into the sea than we would attempting to hide anything from God. Attempting to hide sin from God is an attempting to mock God because he's all-seeing, all-knowing. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows all. He sees all. So God revealed to Cain what Cain should already know. He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother, brother, I keep saying that backwards. That's a tongue twister. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Guys, even though we can get rid of people in our lives, if you want to get rid of somebody, you can. You can, you can leave them. You can be gone from them. But you can't silence people forever. You can't, especially those you have hurt. One day, those people are going to tell their story, and they're going to tell what we did to them, either in this life or on the day of judgment before the throne of God. Justice will be given to those we have wronged. Justice will be given. Cain might have been the offspring of Adam and Eve. He might have been the child of Adam and Eve, but he was actually the father and the patriarch of selfishness. And so God's punishment to Cain was going to justly fit the crime for what he did to his brother. God said, now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. It's interesting that although man is the chief creation of God, although we are the ones made in God's image, the rest of creation submits to God better than we do. When Cain was declared guilty to have sinned against God, even the very earth wanted nothing to do with Cain. Even the very ground did not want to associate with as much evil as Cain had within him at this moment. So even the earth decides to side with God over Cain and refuse to give Cain any more fruit. Isn't that interesting? The earth even submits to God. Behold the majesty of our great God. The ground said, I'm not siding with Cain. Sorry, Cain, you get nothing from me anymore. It's interesting, and it's even an ironic full circle Cain makes here. He began the slippery slope of sin and selfishness by not giving to God the sacrifice and the right offering that he deserved. He kept back for himself his best stock of fruit, and now the earth is, for, is refusing to yield him any more fruit whatsoever. 
This is similar to the story of the man who fell into the water wearing a big, heavy, golden necklace. And he refused to take it off because he loved that treasured necklace. And sadly, that necklace became the very thing that dragged him to his death. That's what selfishness does. It drags us to our death if we allow it. Let us be careful keeping back anything from God, anything that he rightly deserves. It might end up being the very thing that drags us to our death. That's what happened to Cain. And not only that, but Cain became homeless that day. Instead of having a nice home that was and a nice field to till that would yield him delicious fruit and vegetables for the rest of his life, he became a vagrant and a wanderer upon the earth, journeying everywhere and belonging to nowhere. See, God could have certainly killed Cain on the spot, but he, decide, he decided instead to let Cain live and taste of the consequences of his selfishness for the rest of his pitiful life. Cain was going to feel rejection everywhere he went, both from the earth and every tribe and nation upon the earth. Cain would never be loved again. Do you see how tragic selfishness is? Cain stole life from his brother Abel. And now God required the very same from Cain in return. Cain lost his life and his livelihood that day, forever. Now God is merciful, so merciful, but he's also just. We must remember that. If we do not repent of our sin, if we do not own up to our sin, we will find justice and not mercy. Think about that. Do you want justice or mercy from God? And this leads to our fifth and final lesson of the day. Is sin and selfishness worth it? Is it worth it to choose sin? Is it better to enjoy the pleasures of sin today and reap the consequences for the remainder of our existence? Hopefully rhetorically inside you're saying absolutely not. Let Cain's legacy remind us today that sin and selfishness is not worth it. It's not worth it. I once heard my mom. My mom, do you remember this story? You accidentally, I have to say that word because it's true. She accidentally thieved one day and stole something from Target. I think it was Target. And my mom said this line. I think, she, I think it was a lamp. She said, I'm going to return it. She said, I'm going to return it because I'm not going to hell over stealing a lamp. A lamp? Do you remember that? Was it a lamp? It soda. Soda. Even less. Soda. She said, I'm not going to hell over stealing soda. So she took the soda back and she paid for it. I just, I don't know what age I was, but that stuck in my mind of what an interesting lesson that was, that my mom was unwilling to pay the consequences of accidentally thieving soda. It's a good lesson, right? And as, for, unfortunately, as we learn next week, Cain's legacy is going to be forever tarnished by his bad choices. 1 John 3 is where we're headed to next week. And it's going to tell us that Cain's legacy is forever termed the anti-love. Did you know the anti-love is Cain? Cain is now the picture forever of anti-love. Cain is. Cain's legacy is the antithesis of our Lord Jesus. When you think about Jesus and you think about his opposite, you would think about the devil. Scripture says you can also think about Cain. Because Jesus came to give up himself for his people. Cain did the very opposite. Cain only looked out for himself. And next week we're going to look at love. We're going to look at selfless love from our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But before we close, look how deep selfishness goes. Even Cain, while he's being punished by God, who can Cain think about only? Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Do you notice what he didn't say? What have I done to my brother? What have I done, God? How could I have gone so far? My poor brother is dead. I've killed him. How could have I done that? Please forgive me. He said, Lord, my punishment is too great to bear. Cain never shows any remorse for killing his brother. Even in punishment, Cain's only thought is about how Cain felt and how Cain was treated. Selfishness is absolutely going to destroy our ability to serve and love God and his kingdom. And before we close today, let's rattle through the five lessons once again. Here's what we need to apply today. These five lessons. Number one, let us give proper sacrifices to God. From the heart, things he rightly deserves, things he asks for, his commandments. That's what he wants. That's what he's asked for. Give me those things. And make sure to give him exactly that as a proper sacrifice from your heart. Because God deserves our best, guys. Our best. In everything. Give him your best in everything. That's what God rightly deserves. The story of Cain should teach us that. Number two, when we sin, if we sin, own up to it. Own up to it. Confess it right away swiftly to God and then turn from it and seek God's forgiveness because it says in Scripture as a promise, he will forgive you. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He is merciful if you don't hide your sin. If you own up to it, God will give you mercy. Number three, let us not transfer the blame of our wrong and our lukewarm choices to others, but let our own sinful choices be ours to repent of before they drag us to destruction. Confession leads to repentance, and repentance leads to righteous living following our Lord Jesus. Confession, repentance, following Jesus. That's the order. When and if you sin, don't blame someone else or something else. Own it, repent of it, and get back on the path. Number four, let us never seek to hide from God. That is a silly notion. He sees all. He knows all. He desires our well-being in all things. Let us always live in God's presence. Do you notice what God saves us from? The gospel tells us that God saves us from sin. Do you know where he saves you to? God. The term reconciliation is in the Bible. You know what that word means? He brings us away from sin to closeness with our God. Because closeness to our God is the safest place to be. And distance is the scariest place to be. When we sin, if we mess up, do not hide and run from God. Go quickly to your God. Confess it, repent, and get close to him again. Because you can Number five, sin and selfishness is not worth it. It's not worth it. That was ringing in my ears as I prepared this lesson over and over all week long. It's not worth it. Sin is not worth it. Selfishness is not worth it. Cain's legacy was preserved. And why was it preserved? For our benefit. So that we might not do as Cain did. That's exactly why his legacy was preserved. So that we would strive after love in our life, and not selfishness. As Christians, we are supposed to build up, not tear down. Build up, not tear down. Because what is the only weapon that defeats the devil and his armies? It is love. It's only love. It's always love. It's forever love. 
the birth of selfishness was and remains our biggest obstacle to following the Lord Jesus. But as I said at the beginning, this is not the end of the story because next week we will look at the birth of love. Selfless love. Once we realize that self-sacrificing love, the kind that Jesus showed us, is God's only plan for our lives, we will finally discover all that he intended us to have, intended us to be. And Cain, unfortunately, is the anti-love. And as we'll learn next week, Jesus is the epitome of love. So let us stay clear of all selfishness in this life, in all areas, and let us strive after the model our Lord Jesus set before us, self-sacrificing love. Selfishness is the anti-love. And as we'll discover next week, selfishness must die so that the love of Christ can be born in our souls. Next week we will look at the birth of love. Because Jesus is our model, not Cain. Would you bow and pray with me? Father, there's so many lessons in this tragic story of Cain, and we just touched on them briefly today. And Father, it's hard. It's hard to talk about this lesson, but it's necessary for us because we live in an evil world. And there's evil all around us with evil choices to make every single day. It's things that matter to our flesh only. And the world is telling us that's what's most important. Get what you want. Have what you want. Live for yourself. And the scriptures are saying the opposite. No. Selfishness will destroy your life. It will destroy the lives of those around you. Live for God. Father, the, Cain, the message of Cain hopefully is a warning to all of us to steer the other direction from selfishness to selflessness, to look at the needs of those around us, those who are hurting, those who are our neighbors, and say, I will love them. I will love them, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done to us, because love is what defeats evil, only love. Thank you for this reminder today. Help us come back next week to learn the second part of the birth of selfless love from our Lord Jesus. And we give you all credit and glory. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.